Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be talking about covenant today, and we're going to be in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. But before we go there, I want to read to you a chapter out of the prophet Haggai. And uh, Haggai, he was one of the prophets that came back with the remnant uh, out of Babylon. And he was uh, one, he and Zechariah, they were the ones that after the remnant had stopped building the temple, encouraged the people to get back and do the work. But I want to read this first chapter to you because it's very revealing as to where we're going in this session. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your sealed houses while this house lies desolate? Sealed house would be a panel house. It would be a, like a, more like a luxurious home today. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink. But there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands." Now listen to verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, and on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Now, this is very interesting because uh, the people of God, because of the opposition they faced, and we find this in the book of Ezra, and they were commanded to stop building the temple. Well, they just figured, well, I mean, it must not be the will of God. So they left off building the temple. They, They stopped contending and they went about building their own houses. And 
we in our day, oftentimes we do the same thing. God gives us a call and a command and we go out to fulfill the will of God. But because of opposition, because of resistance from the enemy, because of opposition, maybe from our own family members, maybe our own church members. And because of discouragement, because the work that we begin, we feel like, man, it should be a whole lot easier than this. And because the, the getting the work started is so hard, well, then we just stop. And uh, it's so true today. Uh, many who start out don't finish. And why is this? Why is this so prominent in the church today? Well, I think one of the reasons is it's a failure for us uh, to fully understand the covenant that we have uh, through uh, Jesus Christ, our covenant with the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if we understand our covenant rights, then we will understand that there's really nothing that can stop us from fulfilling the love of God in which he has called us to do. And so this is the the uh, in this session, this is what we plan uh, to cover. And we'll be in Ephesians chapter two. But before we go on, let's let's go ahead and pray. Father, bless you today. Bless you in Jesus name. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for directing our hearts into the love of God and for giving us wisdom and revelation concerning God's word and his will. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus name. But before we get into the second chapter of Ephesians, there is a verse of scripture that I want to read. It's found in first Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. And this verse of scripture says, give none offense, neither to the Jew or to the Gentile, nor to the church of God. And what's interesting about this verse of Scripture is that God has divided all the people in this world into three groups, the Jew, the Gentile, and then the church of God. And the interesting fact is this, that the Jew cannot be a Gentile, and the Gentile cannot be a Jew. But both Gentile and Jew can be part of the church of God. And this happens through the receiving of the new covenant. And the new covenant is sealed in the blood of Jesus. Peter calls this covenant the blood of the everlasting covenant. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, beginning in Ephesians chapter two and in verse one, and it says, and you hath he quickened. Now, quickened is not in the original uh, manuscript. So literally, uh, the Greek says this, and you being dead in trespasses and in the sins of you. Amen. That's important. Uh, you, and you has he quickened. We'll go ahead and read the King James. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead means destitute of life. Trespasses speaks to us of the failure or to fall aside or to fall near something but miss the mark. And that's exactly what sins uh, is defined as, is to miss the mark. And then verse 2 says, wherein in time past you walked according 
to the course of this world. Now, when the Bible says you walked, it's the Greek word peripateo, and it means to walk. It's a verb. It means to make one's way. So Paul is describing us, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. To walk according to the course means to walk in a path uh, directed in opposition to the plan and to the purpose of God. Notice uh, Paul said it this way, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, of this world. In other words, uh, you, we walked in a system that was raised up to oppose God and to oppose his world. Amen. And so, and also Paul says this, according to the prince of the power of the air. Amen. That's very important too. According to the course of this world, according to the, the prince of the power of the air. We walk toward this ruler, this commander of the power or of the authority, his authority of the air, talking about the atmosphere or talking about the area around this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air, but he's also called the God of this world. So his authority extends not only throughout this world, but in the atmosphere around this world. So this is like his dominion. And of course, we know in the writings of Matthew that, they, that Satan, when he offered the kingdoms of the world to Jesus, if the Lord Jesus would just bow down and worship him, uh, the devil said this. He says, this, these kingdoms were given to me and I can turn around and give them to ever, whoever I want to. And so we know that that, that uh, possession of the world was given uh, to Satan in the garden in uh, Genesis chapter 3. But now notice it says that we uh, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So this is who we were. Now, verse three tells us, among whom also we all, we all, notice how Paul changes from you to we, among whom also we all. Now, uh, Paul was, uh, when he was Saul, was a very religious man, but he was part of this world system that was arrayed in opposition to God. It's very important for us to understand that all of the church is not the church. And I, I, I do believe that we understand that. Now, verse three again, among whom also we all had our conversation or our manner of living in times past. Notice this. And the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Isn't it interesting how that Paul, in writing this letter to the Ephesians, lists the, the whole man as the flesh, the soul, and the spirit. But yet in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, talking to the church, he says this, And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. Now that's very important because 
sinners, they're ruled by their flesh, their soul and their spirit is dead when it comes to the things of God. But the believer, once he receives Christ and is born again, he is to be ruled by spirit, soul and body. In other words, his spirit that has been created in Christ Jesus now becomes the dominant factor of his being. His soul then and his body is to be in subjection to his spirit, which is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Actually, we could say it this way, the dwelling place of uh, the Godhead, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, because, you know, you can't you can't divide God. We do it in such a way to try to understand the, the different facets of his being. But God is is one. Amen. You can't divide him. You can't say, well, God, the Father doesn't dwell in me, but the Holy Spirit does. No, you can't say that. Paul mentions that in Colossians chapter two, that the whole Godhead was in Jesus Christ. And through faith in him, the whole Godhead now uh, dwells in us. God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that was our condition before we came to Christ. But now after we come to Christ, Paul says this beginning in verse four. But God, who is rich in mercy. Remember, when we say God, we're talking about the entire Godhead. But God, who is rich in mercy. For his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. See, Paul's including himself, not just the Ephesians, he's including them. Everybody, everybody one time were born in sin, but now through Christ, we have been liberated. We have been made free. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us or made us alive together with Christ, by grace, we are saved. Now, grace, we're going to understand, is one of the tokens of the new covenant. By grace, you're saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we ask ourselves the question, where is Christ seated? Well, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Then we ask ourselves, where is the church seated? Where am I in Christ seated? Right in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what is this explaining to us or telling us? That there is in the covenant, there is covenant relationship. Because we're in Christ, we are in God. And because we're in God, we're seated with him in heavenly places. That is where our authority is in Christ Jesus. And that's very important for us to know and to understand if we're going to begin to operate in the fullness now, in the fullness of the covenant that we have with the Lord God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the very term in Christ Jesus means that all that we have has been imparted to us through the new birth and through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. So all the promises of God now to us are yes and to us are amen. 
And then verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show to us the exceeding riches of his grace, of his kindness, of his riches, praise God, of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace, once again, is a token of the new covenant. We have been saved by grace, and this grace, this salvation came to us through faith. And faith is something that God deposited in our heart uh, when we heard the gospel preached. So once again, verse 8, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. A gift. One of the one of the uh, the stipulations or the patterns of the covenant is the exchange of gifts. And so when the scripture says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, this is God's invitation to the whole world to enter into a covenant relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why the word gift is so important. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. God has offered us the gift of Christ, the exchange, the great exchange. Jesus took our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's part of the gift. That's the gift of Christ to us. That we release our sin, that debt that we have, that debt is swallowed up by the gift of Christ. And in exchange, God grants us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I tell you, you can't get any better relationship than that. But now verse 9 goes on and says, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, what God has done is that he has made this covenant with us and he's done all the work. You and I don't do it. You and I don't do anything other than have faith the faith that God gives. There's nothing that we have, amen, that, uh, that is of our own. God has given it all. Amen. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 10. <clears throat> For we are his workmanship. This is so acute to us today. We were created in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? His workmanship the thing God has made us to be, his workmanship, the works of creation that took place on the inside of us, the new creature, created. Notice that's such an important word, created in Christ Jesus, not turned over, not reformed, created something that was not before has now come to existence, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the fruit that comes out of this covenant 
There is the fruit. You and I have fruit that needs to be received, that needs to be tasted, that needs to be involved and developed and brought into our life. Which God hath before ordained. When did he ordain this? Before he ever created the worlds. You and I were already a fact in his mind. God has never had an idea. He's never had to come up with a plan. The plan A was a fact in his mind long before the universe was ever made. And he has no plan B. He doesn't have to have a plan B because plan A will work. There are always extensions of his plan. And that's the reason why we have the different covenants listed in the Bible throughout the beginning and to this present day. They're all extensions of plan A. God does not need a plan B. Hallelujah. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Once again, it's the Greek word peripateo, and it's a verb that means to walk, our manner of life, how we deport ourselves, how we live. Amen. We are to be occupied by, and we are to occupy wherever we go. Praise God, the presence and the majesty and the grace and the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, beginning in verse 11, now notice this. Wherefore, remember, and this is the part that we need to get to. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision, uh, uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, speaking of religion. We can take what Paul is saying today, we can apply it to the religious community today. The community that claims to be followers of Christ, but in works deny him. The liberal community, the extremist liberal community, the extremist left community in the church that doesn't define sin anymore, that doesn't preach the word of God anymore, that doesn't believe in the Bible anymore, that forms more of a, of a cultural, uh, according to uh, the, the, uh, the society today. They have formed a culture, but it's not the culture of Christ. A person who is born again, that God begins to form the culture of Christ on that individual. Now, once again, verse 11, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, now notice this, and strangers from the covenants of promise. Remember going back to the three classifications of the human race, Jews, Gentiles. Jews had a covenant, have covenants with Almighty God. Gentiles have none. Not until they are become part of the church of God, then they enter into covenants. But now Paul is talking about, talking to the Ephesians and to us today, that time that they were outside of Christ. Verse 12 again, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise. Notice covenants is plural there. Covenants of promise. Every covenant comes with a promise. 
the new covenant that we are enjoying in Christ Jesus comes with promises. But at that time, you were without hope and without God in the world, without hope, hopeless and without God, godless. Amen. That's who we were at one time. And we were without God in this world. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We've entered into a covenant relationship with our heavenly father, the Lord God, through the blood of Christ. We've entered into a covenant relationship with him. Praise God. Notice verse 14, for he is our peace. Peace always comes with a covenant relationship between two parties or two individuals. When God cut the covenant with Abraham, Abraham came into peace with the entire Godhead. Because in Genesis chapter 15, the cutting of the covenant involved God the Father, it involved God the Son, the two, the two uh, uh, pieces, of the, 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 the uh, bodies of the animals split down the middle, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father being the smoking lamp, being the smoking flax, and the Holy Spirit being the burning lamp, and Jesus himself being the blood sacrifice. Through Christ now, he is our peace. And he has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of petition between us. That is speaking of the church of God. No longer Jew or Gentile, but of the church of God. Amen. He's made us both one. We're no longer divided. We're in one body and we have one head. And we're all members of one church, the church of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 15 saying, and having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of two one new man and so making peace. The law of commandments contained in ordinance is talking about the Old Testament commandments that served one purpose, and that is to show to humanity that they were sinners, that they could not serve God perfectly. They could not. Amen. And they did not. We see how the nation of Israel fell into ruin. Even though they had the temple, they had the spirit of God in the temple. They had the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments were to be a source of life, but they became a source of death. Why? Because God demanded perfection. And no man can be perfect before God. Not outside of Christ, but inside of Christ. Now, we have been grafted into the perfect one. Hallelujah. Praise God. So righteousness in the Old Testament was conditioned on perfect obedience to the law which man proved he could not do. But now in the new covenant, righteousness is conditioned upon the, the perfection of one, and that's Christ. That's who we are grafted into. 
Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now through the covenant that we have through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, who is the earnest of our inheritance. We have access to our heavenly Father, the Lord God, the one, the creator of heaven and earth. Praise God. I'm telling you, this covenant is just so awesome. And the reality of when we realize this covenant relationship that we have with God, what does it produce? It produces boldness, a fearless boldness. Hallelujah. All right, let's read 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers, no, no longer strangers to the covenants, no longer foreigners. Amen. We're not outside of these covenants, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Going back to Haggai, they refused building the temple. What, what they refused to do, Christ has done. He's built the church, and the foundation of it is his death, burial, and resurrection. And I say praise God for that. So we have a covenant with God. Hallelujah. Amen. And it'll never be broken, not on his part. So, Father, we bless you. We thank you today for this time in the Word of God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.